I'm Deidre. I'm Chelsea. And we're giving you a million murders. All right. It has been two months. <laughs> 84 years. 84 years since we recorded last. Yeah. Like everything they all have been getting have been recordings that we have saved. And so now we barely remembered how to put our stuff together. <laughs> what we had to do because it's been so long. Deja. I don't like it. What's this plug into? I said, uh-uh. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. So. But we don't have any weddings or. Stuff like that going on, so we're fine. we should be. We're, we're done. <laughs> we should be on our normal routine every other weekend. Yes, 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 yes. And it feels good to be back. It does. It really does. So I was asking Chelsea which one I should do, and she said that I need to do a murder because I never do murders. And I'm like, that's not true. Every other story I do is a murder. But then I started looking, mm-hmm. and I do a lot of like off the wall stuff mm-hmm. like the reddit story and then a ghost and then like robert the doll which is paranormal which they're good but but i, I love she's a right. good murder as bad as that sounds <laughs> she's right so i'm gonna do a murder for you all today murder. not a murder okay so this is the story of the list family Ooh, mm-hmm. I know this one. Yes, Chelsea knows this one because I made her watch an episode mm-hmm. on it. And oh, y'all get ready. Y'all never heard it. Okay, so the List family were well-known in their neighborhood of Westfield, New Jersey. Now, this may sound familiar to you all because Westfield, New Jersey is where The Watcher took place. With that yeah. boulevard house and uh-huh. that guy who was watching them, and uh, yeah, I'll be the watcher. But what was the road again? It was a boulevard. It was just called Boulevard. So that's so the, the house, the name house was name, and six fifty seven Boulevard, boulevard. <laughs> mm-hmm. in Westfield, New Jersey. And this took place many years before in the same place. So they, they no, maybe, maybe that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah, the curse, the curse of Westfield. So Westfield was a very wealthy neighborhood with very wealthy people. As we know, that 657 Boulevard house was over a million dollars. So, you know, it was the same back then. Uh, The head of the household, John List, was a very strict father. Uh, He was the only child of first-generation German-American parents. And like his father, he was a devout Lutheran. I don't know much about that. Mm-hmm. I have to look into it because I've always wanted to, but just never. Yeah, I don't like. I should know. There's so many different religions, <laughs> religions, mm-hmm. <laughs> different like denominations and stuff. Yeah, I don't know much about the Lutheran Church either. I don't think I've ever been to a Lutheran. Church. I know I've never been. I've never been anywhere other than Baptist. Mm-hmm. 
I've always wanted to go to a Pentecostal church, but I never, never, never really known, never really known one. Yeah. Like someone that goes to one, because I can, I can just walk up and, (laughs) I mean, I could, but I don't want to, because I just get weird in awkward situations. Not really that it's awkward, but I get nervous. Yes. Yes. Oh, I don't do well with new things. Yeah, you gotta go with somebody. Get the feel. So, oh, he was also a Sunday school teacher. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. An army vet from World War II and the Korean War, and then later became an accountant. During his time in the Korean War, he was stationed in Virginia and met Helen Morris Taylor, the widow of an officer killed in action in Korea. She lived nearby with her daughter, yeah, it's almost a family. I'm just about to drop it right now. She lived nearby with her daughter, Brenda, and John and Helen married on December 1st. Oh, not too long ago. Oh, no. It's an anniversary. You want to? No, not really. It's like, oh, it's their anniversary. <laughs> well, uh, December 1st, 1951, in Baltimore, Maryland. The family then moved to Northern California. The Army reassigned John to the Finance Corps and re- after realizing he had great accounting skills, which, like, I had no clue there was a finance corps of the army. Like, there's literally some, like, a group of people that works with numbers in the army. Didn't know that. I mean, it makes sense if you think about it, but I didn't. Yeah. I just didn't think I that. Didn't. I don't know anything about the When military. I think about army, all I'm thinking about is people fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, there's people. I and mean, people that, like, nurses and stuff. and Yeah. Like, that's, like I think people that nurses cook the and food. And, yeah. And the, the band. Yeah. <laughs> There's anything about that. Remember that military band, y'all? Whoever, David, David. Remember the military band that played at that one band show? I don't remember what it was. And they played forever. And it was so cold outside. And they just kept playing. And they, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say, but they were not. Do you remember who they were? The best. It was a mil. it was the military band. Oh, it was a military band. Yeah. I thought, I just heard band. Oh, yeah, no, it was some military band, and they were not the best. And they kept playing and playing and playing. They played for, like, 15 minutes, and it was so cold that day, and everybody was bundled up, and I fell asleep. Fell asleep. I did. It was so cold. That's bad when you fall asleep listening to a marching band. Oh, bless them. They just stood there, though, in the middle of the field. I don't know, but anyway, God bless them. I thank them for their service. With the band, their band skills were a little struggling. It's okay though. It's all right. It's all right. Um, so after his second tour in the military ended in 1952, he worked for an accounting firm in Detroit, and then as an audit supervisor at a paper company in Kalamazoo. That's where he and Ellen had three children of their own. They have two boys and a girl: Patricia, who was the oldest; John Jr and the youngest was Frederick. Brenda was married off and left the household in 1960. Uh, so that's Helen's oldest daughter. The oh, one okay. with the man who died in the military uh-huh. or whatnot. Uh, yeah, so she never really stayed in the house. So she left and the family moved to Rochester, New York for John to take a job with Xerox. Like the Xerox machine, Xerox. Mm-hmm. So that's big. Yeah. That's, yeah. I was like, okay, go, John. Um, make, make that money. <laughs> make that money, boom. 
And then uh, he became the director of accounting services there. Finally, in 1965, he accepts a position as vice president and comptroller at a bank in Jersey City, New Jersey, and the family moves into Breeze Knoll. His house is a 19-room Victorian mansion at 431 Hillside Avenue in Westfield. They really, they really couldn't afford the home. So he, so first of all, if you can't afford the home in the first place. Why don't you just, why do you need 19 rooms? Anyway, so they couldn't afford the home, so he asked his mom, Alma, for a loan. His mother doted on him, being the only child, and she lent him the money. In exchange for the loan, she was able to live in a self-contained apartment on the third floor of the mansion. So she was like, y'all give it to you, but I'm I'm living there too. Yeah, I forgot her mom, his mom lived there. Yes. So, fast forward to 1971. John and Helen have been married for 20 years. John and Helen are 46, Patricia's 16, John Jr.'s 15, and Frederick's 13. Helen is suffering from alcoholism and side effects from syphilis. She contracted it from her first husband and hid it for 18 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So some sources say she tricked him into marriage by saying she was pregnant, which I'm very surprised with him being so devout that he had sex before marriage like oh huh. okay oh so y'all gonna y'all gonna do that but you'll just see the irony later it's like oh, okay so you were fine doing that part but anyway <laughs> so uh also apparently back in the day there was a premarital syphilis test that was mandated in a lot of u.s states and she crazy things get to that like it was like well you want to get married gotta take a syphilis test can't be spreading the syphilis around like what happened if you failed it then you just didn't get to get married i guess it don't sound like it it does not sound (laughs) you got the sif you cannot they gonna stick you with somebody else that got the sif (gasps) probably arranged syphilis marriages that's awful what the heck i was so shocked i'd never heard of this in my life the 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 United States has done some weird stuff. I mean, we still do, but has like, the, I was say has done. It's still happening, but like a syphilis test. You know, some people were sweating bullets, just like uh, yeah. <laughs> beads of sweat dropping down their I face. I don't think I want to get married anymore. <laughs> Why? I I'm in love syph- with someone else. I think I got the syphilis. I'm making something up because I know. Yeah, just like oh, I don't know. I just don't want to do it anymore. Bye. So, Helen had them get married in Maryland because it was one of the states that didn't have a premarital uh-uh. syphilis She's slick. She didn't tell anyone until 1969. Okay, so like like she's had it for years. Didn't tell nobody. Which I'm sure she was embarrassed and stuff. Like, you know, yeah. it's... But still, your yeah, partner It's treatable, though. It's... Like, girl, just go get it taken care of and move on. But, you know... So when the doctors did a full workup on her, they found she was in stage four of syphilis, which is the tertiary, tertiary. I wrote this so long ago. Uh, Tertiary stage. Sorry, y'all. And that combined with her heavy drinking had left her paranoid and a recluse. By 1971, it was causing her to go blind and was affecting her brain. If she had treated it with penicillin, she would have been able to recover. Like, yeah, like if you go for so long without treating that. It, it it gets bad. 
Yeah, like it kills you eventually. Like, no turning back. Yeah, like you should. And this is the thing. It's not like, oh, she suffered from this. There wasn't a cure. Like there was a cure. Mm-hmm. All she had to do. Which I don't know when she found out, but still, she knew for years and didn't go. So now she's all messed up. So it had laid dormant long enough before her and John were married that he didn't have the disease or the children. Wow. So at least she didn't spread it to yeah. them. But like, girl, you, you're being real reckless out mm-hmm. of here. So she often humiliated John, comparing him and her first husband. Ooh, in bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how her first husband was better. That's the whole damn. The one that give you sis, like, okay. Like, I, I mean, he might not have even been the one, but. No, it is. No, it was him. Because he went, he was like sleeping with women in Korea. So like he got syphilis while he was in the war, came home, gave it to her. Just horny. And then just wild and out. And then she was just like, well, I guess I'm just going to sit on this for a while and just didn't do anything. And then going to make fun of her new husband. <laughs> I mean that that's not a new marriage, but you know what I mean. She's just she's just being really mean. Um so <laughs> uh yeah, so he is stuck in this marriage because divorce is obviously a sin. Cannot get divorced. Yeah. Premarital sex, okay. Divorce, yeah. sin. Sin. Right. sin. 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 The sin. The sinning. Uh so he buries himself at work. But it's starting to go downhill because of his lack of people skills and being able to interact with people on a friendly basis. So the bank had to let him go. They were like, you can't, you know, you can't interact with people very well. (laughs) So we got to let you go. Uh, He decides he can't let his family know he lost his job. So he would get up and pretend to go to work every day. And he would drive to the train station and ride at a few stops, then get off and return on a different train. Uh, so now he's bankrupt, and this was definitely a big sin for him. He's real torn about this. So his three children were growing up, and Patricia wanted to be an actress. John had a big problem with that as well. He considered it a corrupt profession. But anyway, so along with that, Helen not going to church and her mental instability and the bankruptcy, he was starting to lose it. He was skimming for money from his mother's theft. Thou shall not steal. I just, it's like, I knew he was doing all this stuff, but I'm just finding him so hypocritical, you know, skimming money off his mother's bank accounts to keep his mortgage paid. Theft. That's a Ten Commandment right there. Like you, okay, Lutheran. Okay, sir. Uh uh-uh. oh. Oh, Lutheran. It's tearing me up. I'm like, wow, you are really, you just pick and choose, huh? Like you just like pick. Yeah, they seem to do that a lot. I'm gonna just steal from my mother. That's okay. Anyway, just like a bunch of people are like, God told me to do it. Oh, he told you to slit your wife's throat and your children's? Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Sounds about all right. Yeah. Sounds like something he'd say. Yeah. Yeah. He. That's how That's how God is. You know? <laughs> Just cutthroat. <laughs> I mean, now them Old Testament stories, but you know, New Testament, different story. Okay. So he told the children to get part-time work to teach them maturity and responsibility, mm-hmm. but it was actually to keep their heads above water. He is feeling like a complete failure and not 
you know, being able to provide for his family. So it's all taking a toll on him. Then November 9th, 1971, the kids went off to school. When Helen came back, uh, no, not came back. When Helen came down from her morning coffee, John made some small talk with her and then shot her in the back of the head. Sorry, yo, my voice is... Uh -uh. I almost lost my voice last night, so... I'm still recovering. Um, he placed her body on a sleeping bag and dragged her into the grand ballroom. The grand ballroom. They went up... Then he went upstairs, his mother's third floor apartment. She asked him what the noise she heard downstairs was about. Was about. Um, and he came up with a lie. He then put the gun up to her left temple and shot her above the left eye. Her body was too heavy for him to drag all the way to the ballroom. So he tossed a towel over her face and left her on the floor where she had fallen. This mother who gave you all this money to get this stupid house that now you can't afford. You mm -hmm. couldn't afford anyway. Living above your means. And now you're just going to shoot her and leave her there. So, he goes back downstairs and cleans up the blood in the kitchen and starts finishing his last-minute plans. He had written notes to the children's schools and part-time jobs claiming that the children would be visiting Helen's grandmother in North Carolina for a few weeks. Helen's mother... Nope. Visiting their grandmother, which is Helen's mother. Helen's mother was actually sick and had to cancel a trip to Westfield because of it. If she had made the trip down, she would have met the same fate that her daughter and grandchildren did. Like, he would just clean house. Well, yeah. Just gonna kill everybody. After this, he stops by the post office to mail the letters and stops all mail deliveries. He also stopped their milk and newspaper deliveries. The timeline gets a little fuzzy here because I read that he then goes to the bank and takes out money from his and his mother's bank account, stealing again comes back home and makes a sandwich while he waits for his children to come home from school. Some sources say he does this after all the kids arrive home from school, but we aren't sure. So we don't, but at some yeah. point he goes to the bank, gets the money out of his and his mom's bank account, makes a sandwich and is waiting to kill your children. Yeah. I heard that. <clears throat> Stomach just burning. So Patricia, Patricia, <laughs> Patricia called her dad uh, to pick her up from school because she wasn't feeling well. So John picked her up, and once they were home, he shot her in the jaw with an antique twenty-two caliber pistol. With a twenty-two caliber pistol, a souvenir he had kept from his time during the war, and dragged her body to the ballroom beside Helen. Frederick, the thirteen-year-old, was the next kid to come home. He also shot him in the back of the head and put him beside Patricia. John Jr., the middle child, had a soccer game after school, so John drove to the field and watched him play before taking him home. To kill him. Yeah. He done killed his mama, his wife, and his two children, and then he goes to his last living child's soccer game and just watches like he didn't just murder everybody. And it's going to murder him. It's going to kill him. That's awful. Yep. So, uh, once, you know, they got inside, he shot him as well. 
but he struggled with John and was shot a total of ten times before he passed away. Grief. And was dragged into the ballroom with the rest of his family. Mm. So, John then said a prayer from the hymnal over their bodies. What was he doing? Asking for forgiveness? No. no. Well, maybe later. He cleaned up the blood the best he could and sat down to eat dinner. Bruh. Like, you... Are you hungry now? Yeah, I bet you don't work work have a child. Murdering everybody. Shoot. Once he finished, he washed his dishes. Why are you even washing dishes? You gonna leave? Ain't ya? <laughs> Ain't ya? <laughs> Uh, once he finished, washed his dishes, went to bed. Next morning, he turned the air conditioning to 50 degrees to preserve the bodies, turned every light on in the house, and put the radio on a classic music station. Classical music. That's different. It was on a classical music station. He hoped this would throw people off and make them think that they were home. Then he sits down and writes a five-page confession letter to his pastor. Dear Pastor Rewinkle, I'm sorry to add this additional burden to your work. I know that what has been done is wrong from all that I've been taught and the... Oh, God. I'm not going to make it through this. I'm sorry to add this additional burden to your work. I know that what has been done is wrong from all that I've been taught and that any reasons that I might give will not make it right. But you are the only person... I know that while not condoning this, will at least understand, possibly understand why I felt that I had to do this. Okay, pasta. <laughs> One, I wasn't earning anywhere near enough to support us. Well, that's why you don't buy a house that you can't afford. Everything I tried seemed to fall to pieces. True, we could have gone bankrupt and maybe gone on welfare. Two, but that brings me back to my next point. Knowing the type of location that one would have to live in, plus the environment for the children, plus the effect on them knowing they were on welfare was just more than I thought they could or shouldn't be low income. <laughs> like, ugh, what would the children do? Like, they're going to be happy because they're with their family. I know they were willing to cut back, but this involved a lot more than that. Three, with Pat being so determined to get into acting, I was also fearful as to what they might what that might do to her continuing to be a Christian. I'm sure it wouldn't have helped. Four, also, I don't know why he numbered these because <laughs> anyway, he's not start. It's not like he lists them. He continues the sentence. <laughs> he lists them. He lists them. John, <laughs> John lists, lists them. But this is his thing, apparently. It's in his blood. Also, with Helen not going to church, I knew that this would harm the children eventually in their attendance. I'd continued to hope that she would begin to come to church soon. But when I mentioned to her that Mr. Jitz wanted to pay her an elder's call, she just blew up and said she wanted her name taken off the church rolls. Again, this could have had an adverse effect, an adverse result, excuse me, for the children. Can, hmm. Again, this could only have an adverse result for the children's continued attendance. So that's the sum of it. If any of these had been the condition, we might have pulled through, but this was just too much. This is insane. At least I'm certain that all that they... The letter or you not being able to get through it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> at least I'm certain that all have gone to heaven now. 
If things had gone on, who knows if this would be the case. Of course, mother got involved because doing what I did to my family would have been a tremendous shock to her at this age. Therefore, knowing that she is also a Christian, I felt it best that she be relieved of the troubles of this world that would have hit her. So she was a mercy killing. He was like, she, she'll she never be able to accept the fact that I can't keep a job. So gotta kill her. Like, just, you know, just gonna let her go out sooner. Relieve her of the troubles of this world. What? Yeah. Okay. He did her a favor. Yeah. Well, took care of that for you, Mom. I'm sure she's thankful. Um, after it was all over, I said some prayers for them all from the hymn book. That was the least that I could do. Now for the final arrangements. Ellen and the children have all agreed that they would prefer to be cremated. Like, were he, was he just like, so do y'all want to be buried or cremated? Like, well, I mean, I don't know, I guess cremated. He's like, okay. I'm just writing it down. He's like, when I kill y'all, I'll make sure to put that in the note so y'all get y'all's final wishes. Yeah, so he's saying all that about They've all agreed that they'd prefer to be cremated. Please see to it that the costs are kept low. For what? You you not leaving any money to pay for it? <laughs> what? Mm. Her mother, she has a plot at the Frankenmuth Church Cemetery. Please contact Mr. Herman Schellis, Shel Shelkus, Route 4, Vassar, Michigan, 41768. He's married to a niece of my mother's and knows what arrangements are to be made. She's always, she always wanted Reverend Herman Sander of Bay City to preach the sermon, but he's not well. Also, I'm leaving some letters in your care. Please, like, this is, this is what gets me. You killed your family. You're telling, and then you're telling everybody what to do in the aftermath. It's like, oh, make sure mom gets Basically here. Basically clean up my mess. Yes. Just, and take care of all this. I've been like, well, no, you just gonna let them rot in the house. I don't think so. No, but do I you see? What... It, but I would have been mad doing it because I'm like, I can't believe this food and told us do, all this, do you know and what... we're gonna have to do it. You know what's funny? What? Do you see where my microphone's at? <laughs> oh my god! There's a bunch of big stuff on here right now. Oh. Hang on a second. Okay. We'll do a beep. Got my microphone back. Okay. Oh. He just annoys me. Like, uh, and now you got to send these letters. Sir, now you send the other letters. How come you can't send these letters? Uh, please send them on and add whatever comments you think appropriate. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> the relationships are as follows. Mrs. Lydia Meyer, mother's sister. Mrs. Eva Meyer, Helen's mother. Jean Seifert, Helen's sister. Okay, so his great aunt, his grandmother, and then his aunt. He's like, send these letters to them. Also, I don't know what will happen to the books and personal things, but to the extent possible, I'd like for them to be distributed as you see fit. Some books might go to the school or church library. Just left a to-do list after he murdered everybody. Um... Originally, I had planned for this on November 1st, All Saints Day. But, <laughs> why? Oh, my. But, 
Travel arrangements were delayed. I thought it would be an appropriate day for them to get to heaven. As for me, he's like, that's a good day for them to die. A good day for them to go to heaven. That's a very positive outlook on the murdering. Oh, yeah. Like, on the familicide that he's doing. Okay. As for me, please let me be dropped from the congregation rolls. I leave myself in the hand of God's justice and mercy. I don't doubt that he is able to help us, but apparently he saw fit not to answer my prayers the way that I had hoped. Uh, I'm thinking what's like it. Would, like it. <laughs> they would be answered. It's like the way I hope they'd be uh -uh. This makes me think that perhaps it was for the best as far as the children's souls are concerned. I know that many will only look at the additional years that they could have lived, but if finally they were no longer Christians, what would be gained? Also, I'm sure many will say, how could anyone do such a horrible thing? My only answer is it isn't easy and was only done after much thought. Pastor, Mrs. Morris may possibly be reached at 802 Pleasant Hill Drive, Elkin, home of her sister. One other thing, it may seem cowardly to have always shot from behind, but I didn't want any of them to know, even at the last second, that I had to do this to them. John got hurt more because he seemed to struggle longer. The rest were immediately out of pain. John didn't consciously feel anything either. How do you know? Please remember me in your prayers. I will need them whether or not the government does its duty as it sees it. I'm only concerned with making my peace with God, and of this I am assured because of Christ dying even for me. Yes, mother is in the hallway in the attic, third floor. She was too heavy to move. John. Uh-uh. Oh, you know he done forgot. He forgot to even tell anybody about his mother. Gave him all this money. And life. Yeah. He's like, oh. Oh, shoot. I forgot to tell about mom. P.S. Mama's in the, in the hallway in the attic, third floor. She was too heavy to move. Period. John. Uh-uh. Oh, so. Oh, after about a month, their neighbors started noticing the lights in the house slowly burning out one by one until they were all out. Uh, and they were wondering what was going on. So a month. They sat there. A month. A month. Like, literally, everyone was like, wait. I think the lights are just staying on 20, 24 hours a day. And the lights just slowly just started burning out. So they wondered where they were or what was going on. But the family mainly kept to themselves. So it took longer than usual for people to suspect anything. Patricia's drama teacher was also concerned about her absence from school. He couldn't shake the feeling something was wrong. He thought John was strange. <laughs> and he is. And is. But Patricia had also told him something before she died. She told her drama teacher she was afraid he would kill the entire family. The drama teacher and another teacher went to check on her and her family on December 7th. The neighbors, seeing the strange people walking around and peeking in the windows at night, made them call the police to do a welfare check. The police officer gets there. They knock on the door and look through the windows, but don't see anything out of place. The neighbors are telling them something is up, and they finally find an unlocked window and climb through. The house was almost completely dark. There was an upstairs light that hadn't burned out yet. How can you go into a house almost completely dark, not knowing what you're going to get? You know what I mean? Mm -mm, not me. No, not, something going on in there. But Somebody else me find. Yeah, somebody <laughs> got to go find out what's going on over there. And like these are the cops, but 
people like this has happened before like yeah. there was a guy that they were worried about this old man and they climbed through his window and found his dead body before Ooh. i'm like see that's why you can't just be going up in people's houses like that because you don't know what's going on you don't know what you're walking into i'm not sure i'm gonna see a dead body uh -uh. okay so yeah they were you know it was completely dark that one upstairs light was still on one of the officers said the first thing he noticed was the stench of death yeah a month just de decomposing for a month he also said the house was freezing and there was classical music playing throughout the house see that mm. that's what's so creepy it's dark and like that music's playing you know poor jim moore is playing in the background just all quiet just echoing through the whole house and they're just dead pockets in the house so they find the entire family in the sleeping bags on the floor and the confession letter for the pastor along so they so they're supposed to tell the pastor so he was like whoever finds these bodies is gonna give this note to my pastor and then my pastor's gonna have to do all this other work um so yeah the letter to the pastor along with the guns he used to kill them that was all found you know at the house they also found his mother's body upstairs like the letter said they would and they put out an apb all points bulletin on john then they find his car at the airport soon after there are no other leads or clues as to where he might have gone they couldn't find any information showing he had taken a flight anywhere he had a month to get a head start on the police and before anyone knew what had happened, so the leads were dried up before they even began investigating. Yeah. Like, clean getaway. Just took off. The house remained empty until it was destroyed by a fire in August of 1972, nine months after the murders. So this mansion is gone now. Like, it just burned down. I don't remember hearing that. Mm -hmm. It was officially ruled as arson, but it remains officially unsolved with no suspects. Of course. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Just a little unsolved mystery. Destroyed along with the home was the ballroom stained glass skylight that the family was laid under. It was rumored to be a signed Tiffany original, like Tiffany's, Tiffany and Company. Oh, yeah. Worth at least $100,000 at the time. About $620,000 today. That's a lot. Yeah. That's enough to get you out of debt. Dummy. So, over time, the police are still following every tip they can, but they're all leading to nowhere. They even publish something in the newspapers every big anniversary. First, fifth, and tenth. They even had the case featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Mm -hmm. Still nothing. By 1989, the List case was almost 18 years cold. A new show was on the air called America's Most Wanted, hosted by John Walsh. It had been on a little over a year and was hit on the Fox Net. Was a hit. God. Was a hit on the Fox Network. Captain Frank Moranka thought this would be a perfect place to bring the case to a bigger audience and hopefully help the police find John. America's Most Wanted turned them down, saying the case was too old and too cold. Wow. Yeah, they're like, nah. Then John Walsh heard about the case. Walsh's own son, Adam, was murdered when he was only six years mm -hmm. old. He called John List. Okay, here's some language. A son of a bitch, a coward, and a child killer. 
John Wall, he don't play about about child killers. Like he will find yeah. you. He will hunt you down. He was determined to bring lists to justice, but knew they would need an image of him that would show what he looked like 18 years after his crimes. Walsh called a forensic sculptor, Frank Bender, to make an age-progressed bust of John List. When he would normally make these busts, he would use facial reconstruction, me facial reconstruction measurements that most forensic anthropologists would use. Uh, but Frank also reached out to forensic psychologist Richard Walter to get a detailed psychological profile of List. He also looked at pictures of List's parents to see how their faces had aged. And using all that, along with his own intuition, he created a bust of what he thought John would look like now, that he would be in his 60s. Frank felt that the bust wouldn't be completed until he found a pair of glasses, the perfect pair of glasses. Knowing List's personality, Frank went to the thrift store and found a pair of thick black framed glasses, <laughs> and he knew that was the final add-on to the bust. He was like, you wouldn't get thrift shop. Make sure that the burying of my murdered family is not expensive, not too expensive, <laughs> even though I'm not paying for it. Like, why don't you leave some money so that everybody can bury them? Like, who paid for that? The family. All those people he listed. They aired John List's story on May 21st, 1989, and two million people saw the program. Two of those people were Wanda Flannery and her daughter, Eva Mitchell. They were true crime fans, and before the bust was even shown, they knew it was their old neighbor, Bob Clark. Hmm. He fit the description, soft-spoken, always in a suit, an accountant, and devout Lutheran. Like, just, you ain't even gonna change it up. Not even trying, just... So anyway, when they saw the bust, they were stunned. It looked just like John, right down to the glasses. When Wanda called the tip in, it took 11 days, but the FBI showed up to Bob Clark's home in Richmond, Virginia. Bob Clark. Bob Clark. Okay, John Liz. John Liz. His new wife, Dolores, met them at the door and told them. Dolores. Dolores. Poor Dolores. She just, y'all oh, know he's at work. So she told him he was at work. And so the agents went to the office where Clark was working as an accountant. The agents asked him if he was Bob Clark. He said yes. Then they asked him if he was John List, and he denied it. He kept denying he was John List, even after his prints came back as a match to the prints taken from his handgun permit. Like, <laughs> not the fingerprints on the gun. Yeah. Handgun permit. Like, oh, okay. He was arrested and charged with five counts of first-degree murder. After writing the letters, John drove to JFK International Airport and dropped his car off. He then took a bus back into the city and then took a train to Denver, Colorado. So he just, like, tried to throw everybody off. Yeah. Uh, while in Denver, he applied for a new Social Security card under the name Robert Peter Clark, got a job as a short-order cook, and started his new life. Okay, his trial began on April 2nd, 1990, 18 and a half years after the murders. List was diagnosed by the court psychiatrists with obsessive-compulsive disorder, which his defense said made him only guilty of second-degree murder. I'm thinking because it causes anxiety and makes people fixated on certain things, so it could be potentially dangerous 
if you have his extreme religious beliefs and his mental illness, but he still planned it down to the T, I think it would be considered first degree for sure. Like, <laughs> like they, they're saying because he has OCD. It's I, I know what they're saying, but, but it's like, no. Like, but he still planned it. <laughs> Premeditated. Uh, but anyway, so on April 11th, after nine hours of deliberation, the jewel, the jewelry, the jewelry, <gasps> the jewelry, the jury found John guilty on all five counts of first degree murder. Mm-hmm. He was given the maximum sentence allowed at the time, five consecutive life terms. When his sentence was read aloud, the courtroom erupted in applause. John Walsh was not happy with the verdict. He, of course not. No, John Walsh, the... the oh, um, Walsh. <laughs> I know. The, um... The dude from the thing. Yeah. I don't know why I can't think of it right now. America's, America's Most Wanted. Most want- <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wanted him to get the death penalty. He's like, no, let's kill him. Many in law enforcement, along with Walsh, credit Frank Bender's incredibly accurate bust with cracking one of the oldest cold cases at that time. John Walsh kept the bust in his office for many years. Frank sadly passed away in 2011 from mesothelioma. Mm. Years later, John List would try to appeal his case, saying he was suffering from PTSD from his experience in World War II. Boy! No! No, you li- But the federal appeals court rejected his claims. He died in prison on March 21st, 2008 from pneumonia at 82 years old. Oh. Yep. So sad. Mm-hmm. Alma, John's mother's body, is flown to Frankenmuth, Michigan, and is buried at St. Lorenz Lutheran Cemetery, where her plot was. Helen and three children were buried at Fairview Cemetery in Westfield. At the church? Mm-hmm. The preacher's church? Do we know? I don't know. Just Fairview Cemetery. So. Oh, ha. And they were buried. They uh-uh. weren't cremated. I just realized that. So, on that. John List. So, yeah. That's the story of the psycho <laughs> the list family murders the hypocrite john list i mean it's baffling to me and they asked him they said well you know why didn't you just kill yourself you know if it was all that bad he said well committing suicide is a sin but martyrs not <laughs> you already know how i, I forgot about, about that but i remember i remember yes well because Killing yourself is a, a sin. Killing yourself is a sin. And so is murdering. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal from your mother skimming off her bank account. <laughs> Breaking ten commandments left and right and then worrying about other stuff. <laughs> Just okay, it's fine. I had to kill them so that they would be saved. That's always a good one. Yeah. Well, that is that. Hope you all enjoyed it. If you want to, you can send us your questions, comments, concerns, stories, suggestions to a million murders at gmail.com. David, you're supposed to be sending me stuff. Houston, you're supposed to be sending me stuff. Me as an us. Yes. <laughs> us. I'm sorry. Us. 
they told me that they were going to send something. So I'm like, you're supposed to be sending me stuff. And I'm like, us, 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 us. You should be sending us stuff. So get on it. <laughs> um, and we're still working on Jessica's case that she wants us to do. Working on it. You can follow us on Instagram at Amelia Murders, where you can see the pictures of the cases that we do. So you can see the people that we don't like, mm-hmm. along with the, what's the word? Victims. Lord have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah. So you can see the victims. Um, We also have a Facebook page that we don't really do much with. <laughs> We're still, we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do with that, but it's there for you. Yeah, it's there for you to like. Yeah, pretty much. Every once in a while, we'll post stuff when something's happening. But yeah, so thank you for listening. We hope you come back for a million, a million more. more.